There's some irony to this message tonight. Tonight we're talking about solitude. You are getting a message on solitude from an extrovert. That's the irony. Um, And as I was thinking about this message, uh, I was thinking, even tonight, reminded actually, why for, for, for many of us, solitude is this kind of scary thing. Even perhaps something we perceive as a necessary punishment. <laughs> um, I'm mainly talking to the extroverts here. <laughs> Introverts are like, I love it. <laughs> All right. I, I, I probably should have handed this message off to somebody else. But I did talk to my wife. So there's that. I picked her brain a little bit. I'm like, what is it like to, in, to actually be drawn to enjoying being alone. I still don't understand. She tried her best to explain it. Uh, Still not there. So um, actually what I was reminded of is Time Out. You guys remember Time Out? Time Out was like the first moment of solitude that many of us ever experienced. It's painful. 15 seconds in Time Out seemed like perhaps an eternity. And you know, I just wonder if sometimes we don't think about being alone as just grown-up time out. Solitude as another version of us having to sit there wondering when the time is going to be up so we can go and back to what we were doing, you know. Maybe getting in trouble again. I don't know. I don't know. But I want to talk about that. And actually, you know, all all jokes aside, I I think that whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, that um, specifically this discipline, it is a discipline of solitude, is something that we all need. And in fact... We don't get it on our own. It doesn't just happen. You might find yourself alone, but that doesn't equate to solitude. And so I want to talk about the difference between being alone and being in solitude. And there is a big difference. So for the extroverts, there's good news here, okay? Um, There is something to look forward to in being alone. And for the introverts, there is something to look forward to in being alone that perhaps is different than just being alone. And that's kind of my first point is the definition, solitude. What is it? It's, it's not just being alone. Good news. It's not just being alone. It's actually being alone with God. That last part is really significant. It's being alone with God. So you're not really alone, but it's getting alone with him. And so there's this purpose, this intentionality, this thing that actually requires us to pursue, to go after. And the reason I brought up time out is even this week there was this... um, 
This feeling in me of, I know this is good. I know it's necessary. I know I should be making some time to be alone with you. But for whatever reason, it's not happening. So can I just say that the week leading up to this message, actually I've been preparing it for a couple weeks. Um, I feel like I haven't had much practice. (laughs) All right, so I'm preaching to myself tonight. That was a good point. Um, And to the rest of you as well. I just today even realized that for whatever reason, I was, I was coming to the thought of being alone with him as something that he needed from me. And guess what? He doesn't need this from you. And this isn't something that you do to fulfill some requirement from him. And it's certainly not some punishment where he's saying, okay, now you need some time alone. <laughs> So sit in the corner. And if we see it like that, any of those things, we won't be drawn to this. We won't, we certainly won't choose this. And at best, we might do it, but we will do it for the wrong reasons. We will do it because we think God needs it from us. He requires it. And then we'll, we'll just move on. And then the question becomes, well, how much time is enough? And... Is five minutes, 15 seconds. You see, it becomes a problem really quickly. And then it's just something we check off our list and we move on to other more important things, things that we actually care about. So I don't know how that shift takes place in each of our hearts, but in order for this to matter to us, in order for this to be something that we actually look forward to. I think that's what has to happen. We have to see that God is is not requiring this. He's inviting us into this. He's inviting us into this place. So I said, solitude is being alone with God. And if we are going to cultivate relationship with him, if we're going to see the type of moments that Derek shared about happen, actually there's something that has to take place before we ever get to that. We need to spend time with him, just him and us. Might be a little scary. Um, For the extrovert, again, it's not merely being alone, but it's being alone with him. And there's something there that we need. No matter how extroverted you are, you might feel energized around people, but eventually that runs out. He is the source of life. And us extroverts, we need to be reminded of that because people, people will eventually drain you. People will eventually disappoint you. And in fact, extroverts, we have to watch out for the place of needing people so much that when they're not there or when we don't get from them what we feel like we really need, then we are... We're in a bad place. And actually for the extrovert, there is the freedom, freedom of being away from things like approval. Freedom from being away, freedom of being away from people's opinions and their expectations. 
And if you're an extrovert, extrovert, we all probably struggle with that to some degree. But for, for us extroverts, that can really get us. And for the introvert, I was joking, actually. We almost did this message last week, and um, we, we were missing a number of our MICA students. I'm not saying if you're an artist, you're an introvert, but, um, but that might tend to be the case for artists. It just goes kind of hand in hand. But certainly, if you're an artist, you're used to being alone. And I was joking, someone was joking, saying, well, the artists don't need to hear this message. They're already probably really good at being alone. But whether you're an artist or you're an introvert, I think there is certainly a place where we need to hear that it's not just being alone. And in fact, we can choose to be alone as a means of escaping things. And this is not that. So I would say for the introvert, solitude is significant because it actually helps you then be able to be around people, <laughs> which is very important, very necessary. You were created with, with that in mind to some degree. You were created for community. You were created for your life to have an impact on the lives of those around you and vice versa. So... Even for the introvert, there is a place here where God is calling us to. Um, I like this uh, mention from the book that we were... Sorry, which book is this? I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is the Spiritual Discipline handbook, I think, Adele Calhoun. She says, solitude is a formative place because it gives God's spirit time and space to do deep work in us. Solitude is this formative place where we're inviting God to, to transform us, to shape us, to renew us, to get rid of some things and replace them with some better things. Actually, everything that we've been talking about to this point, prayer, fasting, study, meditation, actually, they, are, they find themselves in this discipline. Solitude in that way is a container discipline. That's what um, I think the same lady mentions that in that book. It's a container discipline, meaning it's a place that actually we find these other disciplines actually find their purpose in practice. So we need it. So I was just thinking, where do we find this as something important? And what do you know? Jesus. <laughs> Can we talk about Jesus for a few minutes? Is that all right? We're going to talk about Jesus. Was solitude important for Jesus? Where do we learn about solitude? Jesus. That's the Sunday school, you know. It's like you set all the questions up so the answer will be Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, over and over again in the life of Jesus, we see this intentional discipline of getting away. Of getting away. Um, in Matthew 4, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's just had this mountaintop moment where um, God speaks and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then it says, the spirit of God led him into the wilderness 
this 30, 40 plus days, 40 days of being alone. Some of us, that would be like major timeout. Why are you punishing me, God? But you know, for Jesus, the desert was not desert experience the way we think. It says, in fact, that he came out of the desert in the power of the Spirit. And I want to suggest that it was because in the desert he was with God. He wasn't alone. It wasn't just him and then Satan shows up. <laughs> hey, what you doing? <laughs> it wasn't like that. He was with God. And it says that, that after he was tempted, the, the angels came and ministered to him. I don't even know what that looked like. There was communion in the desert. And I would say we should redefine desert places to include communion because it's not supposed to end. That doesn't mean we're always experiencing mountaintop moments, but there is this place of continually being able to access the presence of God, to be with him. And we need it. And Jesus, before he began his ministry, that's where he finds himself for 40 days. We see again in Luke 6 that um, right before he picks the disciples, it says that he went out to a mountainside to pray. And he spent all night in prayer. That was right before he chooses these guys and he calls them to be a part of his mission. In Matthew 14... This is right after John the Baptist's death. I don't know if we have a slide for that. But it says that he withdrew. I don't know if that's the right one. But anyway, (laughs) we see over and over crowds coming to Jesus. And you would think that given who he was, given what he could do, given the need that was in front of him, that something like solitude would be down the list. Especially for the doers in the room. Like, you think about a list of priorities. What's important? What is going to matter most? What is going to accomplish the most? That's often how we think about sorting our time and our efforts. And we see that in the middle of a, a place of need and demand like we have no clue. Jesus continually retreated. And some of us, we would probably be thinking, what is the deal? Does he not care? I think in that he shows us there's something really important again. After the feeding of the 5,000, that was that verse. They're looking for him. They want, they want more of Jesus. That doesn't sound like a bad thing. Jesus is like, I'm going to be on the other side of, of the lake. <laughs> See you guys later. In Matthew 6, 31, after the disciples had been ministering and sharing in this ministry. Do we have that one? Matthew 6, 31. Yeah, Mark, there you go. Yeah, we'll do Mark 6.31. It says that many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, talking about the disciples. You, you just get this sense of this environment. Busy. 
full of demand. If you're experiencing any of that in your life right now, might I suggest Jesus' words here. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And we might be saying, but this, but that. I have, Jesus, you haven't looked at my to-do list. Well, show him your to-do list (laughs) and see what he says. Do you hear the words of compassion here? See, actually, this is God caring for us. He's saying, you can't persist in this. Come and be alone with me. Come and find rest. Luke 5, 16, Matthew 17, the transfiguration It just goes on and on. Jesus, you get the picture here? Do you get it? Okay, I could go through these. We don't have to go through all of them. And then lastly, in the garden, Matthew 11, Jesus, before he's heading to the cross, this significant moment, he he calls his disciples to participate in prayer with them. But even then he goes by himself. They have no clue what, what's going on. And we, we get that, that picture of that moment, God, the Father with the Son, and in this place of solitude, working out the difficulty of what's ahead. So I want to say that Jesus is a powerful example for us in this. And if we think that We can be like him and yet not find ourselves in solitude. We're we're missing it. And I think that when we think that we're too busy or there are things that are too important, we seem to come back to this reminder of what he showed us. And there's an invitation there. And there's a place of replenishing there. A place of actually receiving, receiving what we need. I want to just read one more passage. There's not a lot to this, guys. (laughs) Because it's simple, yet difficult. (laughs) And I want to suggest that... um, Really, we just, we need to practice this. We need to choose this. We need to make space for this. And if you're not in a place where you want that, then actually begin by asking him to help you see this as something good. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Look, let me just show you something. This right here. Man, this gets in the way, doesn't it? The very definition, social media. I would suggest that more often than not, it's an enemy to getting alone and being with him. Here's a very, very, for you guys that like practical, this is very practical. Hide your phone somewhere when you choose to be with him. 
Seriously. All right, I'm, I'm guilty of this in the sense that um, there will be times I'm like, all right, getting alone with God, here we go. Let's, let's, let's hang out for a little bit. Five minutes later, I'm like, what was I doing? Oh, <laughs> sorry, God, I got distracted um, by that notification. It was a really important one, um, but uh, here we go again. Hide your phones, seriously. Put them on, not just silent, but... Get rid of the vibrate too. That, man, that one messes me up. <laughs> Maybe when you go to bed, I heard this one recently and man, I felt so old because I remember these days, alarm clocks, like the regular ones. And you guys are like, I need my phone by me when I go to bed because I need the alarm clock for when I wake up. And the first thing you do is not actually, you, you ignore the alarm, right? But then you... When you're finally awake, you're, you're on Facebook. <laughs> I'm just talking from experience, all right? You guys are looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. Sure. <laughs> you might just plug the phone in in another room and get an alarm clock. I heard that. I was like, wow, that's brilliant. I remember those days. I remember when I had alarm clocks with, you, you, only, got one, you only got one alarm. You didn't get to choose the sound that came out. Now it's like you get birds chirping and um, what are those called? Harps. Yeah. Birds and harps. Back in the day, it was one noise. Eh, eh, eh. Or you had the, you know, the bell. Anyway, very practical piece there. All right. I'm going to read this. <laughs> John 15. This is the invitation. Actually, before I read this, I want to give a couple more pieces of just kind of practical suggestions, and then we're going to end on this on this um, word from Jesus. Um, when it comes to solitude, I think the first thing that we we can do to help ourselves in this is to look for moments of solitude, because the thing is, they don't find you; you find them. And if you are waiting for solitude to find you, when it finds you, you will run from it. Because we fight being lonely. We fight being alone. But when you look for it, you can't find it. And I think perhaps for some of us, we have a hard time because we're imagining it looking a certain way. But even just open yourselves up to asking God to show you even moments of solitude. That's a good place to start. You don't have to start with an hour. You know, again, going back to the timeout, small, we, we sent Jonathan to his room a little bit and they, there was this practical thing. They told us, don't put him by himself for more than his age in minutes. I'm, I'm like counting down, you know, it's like, has it been 60 seconds yet? Because <laughs> he's up there screaming. <laughs> so small moments can be where you start with this. And often those moments are hidden throughout our day. So look for those. Ask for those. It might be your drive to work and just turn it off the radio. 
and choosing to talk to God instead of all the other drivers around you who don't know what they're doing, right? Look for moments of solitude. And then with that, actually dedicate time. It might be a block of 15 minutes in your day to being alone with God. And those can be in activities, but um, just make sure that you know why you're there. And then with that, I think there's a place for us setting aside time intentionally and even larger blocks of time. It could be a half day every, every so often that you actually go somewhere else, leave your house. Because a lot of times solitude turns into a nap, you know, if you're not careful. So leave your house, get away from your pillow, take a walk in the woods. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, nature. Um, Billy Graham, he, he said that whenever he needed to pray, he would, he would walk this path behind his house. And he, he had this winding path that would go for several miles. I don't know where that is. Um, somewhere out in the county, probably. Um, but uh, he would say, depending on what he had to pray through, the more he had to pray through, the longer the walk would be. But he would retreat there. So set aside, aside an extended time in this. Let it be those things. And couple your solitude with the other things we've been talking about. Meditation and prayer and study. Fasting. All right. Let's pray. I'm going to read this passage, and I just want to read it as a prayer, as an invitation for us. And I want us to just envision ourselves being alone with God and just receiving this invitation. And perhaps this week you even come back to these words and you respond to them as you hear Jesus speak to you. In John 15, he says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit. Unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. 
I have told you this so that your, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus, that's what we want. <clears throat> we want your joy in us. We want the joy of knowing you to be completed, to be realized in our lives. I thank you that you look forward to those moments where, by choice, we come before you. And we wait on you. And we listen for you. And we receive from you. And we share our hearts with you. It brings you such delight. It's not a punishment because that's where you are. And it's in that place that joy is found. It's in that place we're actually rewarded. Rewarded with more of who you are. More of your heart. And it's in that place that you invite us into things that we hadn't even thought of. We didn't even care about. We yet to dream of. So help us get there. Help us see those moments and choose those moments. When the excuses begin to come or when the momentum of the day seems to be too much to stop, and step aside to stop and quiet ourselves. Let us give way to your spirit. Be it for a minute or something longer. Jesus, we thank you for this invitation and we thank you that you've made it possible through your sacrifice. Tonight as we receive we receive your body and your blood broken and poured out and the invitation of being with you as part of that gift. Help us to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take communion tonight. When you're ready, you can come and receive.